0: Road Dog Trucking News is live with the latest news and issues from across the trucking world. Road Dog Trucking News with Mark Willis. Drivers, I want to welcome you to the first hour of Sirius XM's Road Dog Trucking News. Thanks for being out there, ladies and gentlemen. It is a great pleasure for me to be on the road this afternoon of the community of Frankfort, Indiana. I am at the Canagra plant, folks, and I am here for a very unique opportunity to go behind the bay doors and bring you a very unique view as to how things are going in the warehousing sector. I'm going to be talking about how things are processed, itemized, and then loaded onto your truck, and this process involves a very critical timing of the warehousing professionals that are highly skilled in facilitating the transformation from the warehouse to the back of your vehicle. This requires very strategic partnership planning between shippers and carriers out there, and the collaborative partnerships provide the DNA of the supply chain, which keeps the economy moving forward 24 hours a day. 365 days a year, and one of those key strategic partnerships exists between Crete Schaefer and Conagra. And Crete Schaefer is now celebrating a 20-year partnership with Conagra, an approximately $8 billion company that is combining a very rich heritage of making great food with a sharpened focus, and an entrepreneurial spirit. Now, some of the household brands, guys, you can think of right off the bat, you know these names are on the store shelf right away. Rotel, Healthy Choice, Hunt's Diced Tomatoes, and also... Maria Callender and two people here to talk about this strategic partnership. Tim Ashoff is with Crete, the president at COO, and also Eric Cutter is here as well, the president of Schaefer. And gentlemen, it's good to see you. Great to be on again and great to see you. Thanks for coming to Indiana with us. Absolutely, man. It's beautiful up here. Eric, it's good to see you as well. Thank you very much, Mark. It is really good to chat with you guys. And man, what a unique opportunity for me uh, to come up and take this news story to the next level, you know, to see what is going on uh, from behind the scenes, what goes on in the warehousing industry. And, you know, to bring that story forward to the drivers out there as well. You guys have been out All over the place. And I know you guys have had a great road trip, talking with drivers. You've been meeting with a lot of your drivers out there, talking with folks out there in the industry about what's going on. Let's talk about that. We had a chance to catch up with you guys last night at uh, one of the truck stops, and you were meeting with drivers and talking to them. Eric, what were drivers telling you? Uh, Drivers are excited that
1: we're we're out at the truck stops, there to meet them, listen, listen, uh, hear what they're talking about what their concerns are and and how we can help them improve the industry and what are
0: your thoughts on that as well Tim what did you find
2: I, I found much the same you know it's hard for us anymore with the you know as, as we know we've talked this about this many times the hours of service makes it hard for a driver uh, to get off the road to take that time away from doing their job and so it's harder for us to interact with them and you know we do a lot of things with technology to try to do that but you sure can't be face to face so you know, Eric and I decided at the end of last year, yeah. we need to get out and do more face-to-face. Sure. So we wanted to get out. And so where are the drivers? Well, they're at truck stops. They're at facilities like this great facility here. So we put together the plan and, and we're making it happen. And it's been fairly, very enlightening to us. And what's been great is we have seen a lot of our drivers. It's been great. But just all drivers across, the, you know, the industry. And, and one of the things you find, and we were talking about this a lot, is just real genuine, yeah. down-to-earth, you know, good people. And that was what's been enlightening is that, you know, What you see uh, each and every day uh, at our terminals, we see the same thing out there at the truck stop.
0: You know, and looking at uh, some of the reaction of some of the drivers, and when we came in, I noticed that, man, people wanted to share their story and talk about what's going on with their life out there. Share some of that. Talk about what some of the drivers were, were telling you about maybe folks back home. You know, talk about how you guys approach that and help the driver get back home when they need to go. Well, we, we make sure that our drivers get home when they need to get home. And, and as their our, as
1: our home time gets closer, we make sure we plan them and, and make them be part of a successful area to where we can get them loaded back to hit their home time needs. But when, when Tim and I were out, I, I think what was overwhelmingly uh, positive was that they were just excited to get a thank you mm. for doing, for being a professional driver. And showing appreciation for their service
0: to our industry. Are you guys planning more trips? uh, Maybe in the spring? Will this be like Bill and Ted's excellent adventure? Well,
2: it is. Yeah, (laughs) and we we don't know who's Bill and who's Ted yet, but we're trying to figure that out. But yeah, no, we've it's been much more rewarding than I even thought uh, it would be. um, You know, because of having that personal contact with with the drivers, and and so we were just talking this morning again how successful it's been for us uh, personally, um, and let alone for you know the, the company and hopefully the industry to show that the drivers out there that we, uh, uh, as they call us, the, sometimes the suits, uh, get out to where the boots are yeah. and and see what it's like. And, and I think with the feedback we've received, it's been uh, very rewarding. So we'll be doing it again.
0: I've got to imagine that a lot of the drivers have had some thoughts about, you know, the ELDs, uh, what is going on with them. You guys have been on those for years, I know, but uh, uh, some of the new drivers that are coming in, have they talked about making that transition? Uh, talk about that. What kind of feedback from the ELD standpoint?
2: Yeah, I, I think a lot of them are just going Going through that and they're they're kind of having a little bit of a challenge of, of seeing really their miles go down. Sure. And so what does that mean for them long run? I think as we're kind of going through this transition phase, there's there, there's anxiety out there and a lot of them that I talk to that and they're seeing, you know, hey, I'm seeing myself getting, you know, 10, 15% less miles per week than I had before the ELDs. What do I have to do to adjust? to ensure I can be as productive as I was in the past. And that's something we had to learn, you know, five, six years ago when we
0: did that as a company. Well, and from your standpoint, uh, Eric, were a lot of folks talking about things like governmental regulations, fuel prices and things like that? Did a lot of folks talk about their family as well when they t- chatted with you? Really, they talked more about parking,
1: Okay, uh, where they're going to park at, how how congested it's it's becoming, at the truck stops and, and the shippers, and they need, they need more parking to make, the, make it easier for them to find
0: a safe haven. And what is being done from that standpoint, you know, helping drivers uh, find those parking spaces? I mean, it's very tough out there for some.
2: It is, and, and you know, there are, you know, a lot of truck stops uh, have been growing yeah. um, their truck stop uh, footprint, but even at that, you know, a lot of truck stops are going to where they charge for parking. And, you know, drivers are just looking at that as another road expense, and it's getting tougher and tougher for them. So, you know, one of the great things, even about right here, uh, and a lot of our shippers have been doing, and ConAgra's been a good one at that, is that they We've built a facility like this, that has plenty of parking. They allow our drivers when they come in here to park and stay here overnight. And not only do they have the space for the truck and the trailer, but the nice you know driver lounge facilities, the restrooms, the you know the f- food available, those types of things. And uh, we really appreciate that because you, you know the government doesn't have any money. They're not going to be building many more rest stops sure. for parking. So it, it's really going to have to be places like this. And that's why we partner with with customers like Conagra because. You know, the way they treat our drivers and other people's drivers that is valuable.
0: You know, I had the opportunity to take a tour of the facility, and it was really great to see, you know, the driver facilities, uh, the ability to be able to maneuver about. And it's really very driver friendly. And this is what the industry needs is more shippers like, you know, Canagra, for example, stepping up and recognizing the importance of the drivers to the industry. It is, and you know, uh, Conagra recognized
2: that even maybe at a time where um, you know you didn't have to do that because capacity wasn't as tight. You know, when they're building this facility, I remember them coming to us and say, "Hey, give us some input on sure. what what do we need to do to make it more driver friendly? What do we need to do to you know make it be us the, the customer of choice for your drivers?" And so appreciate them not only taking that input from us, but then putting it into action as you saw today.
0: I've got to imagine too that uh, you know the collaborative partnerships that are you know being developed here. I mean, it's a really tremendous opportunity uh, to the trucking industry, to product manufacturer, and ultimately right down to the consumer. I mean, this is a way I would think that you would be able. Able to maybe capture growth, drive future revenue. It's all all driven towards success. Combining all of these elements like that, right?
2: It really is. And, and you know, we all have to be more efficient uh, at the end of the day. Um, we You know, we, we can't have a lot of waste in our systems because everyone's cost conscious. Yeah. Uh, things aren't getting cheaper. Taxes are getting a little bit lower maybe, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know. But fingers crossed. Still, fingers crossed, but <laughs> there's still more to come, of course. So we have to be more efficient. And how do you do that is by working together. You know, you've got to communicate. Uh, we were just talking about that with the ConAgra team earlier. How can we work together to really make the whole supply chain more efficient and that really does make it better in the end of the day for everybody.
0: And, and a lot of this is going to depend, Eric, on the feedback that you get from the drivers out there. Any messaging that maybe a driver wants to, to deliver directly to you, man, let's hear from them, right? Because ultimately they are the boots on the ground when it comes to all of this. Yes. Well, we, we we enjoy getting the feedback from drivers on
1: on a shipper and, and maybe what would make that more efficient for them, a shipper or a receiver or, or things we can do to, to help make that trip much easier for them on the next time. All right, drivers,
0: Hey, if you want to jump in and join me in the conversation, you're certainly welcome to do that. The phone number to call in, it is 888-876-2336. And, man, I've got a great opportunity. I am on the road broadcasting from the Canagra facility here in Indiana. Would love to get you on board. It is a look behind the bay doors, ladies and gentlemen, a chance for me to see what goes on to better help me report stories that are going on to you out there on the road. So I've got phone lines open if you want to join my guest on the program from Schaefer. I've got Eric Cutter and also from Crete. I've got Tim Ashoff. And gentlemen, again, thank you for joining me on the program. I do want to get websites out there, social media, phone numbers. How can I find you guys? Cretecarrier.com. Okay. And the old fashioned way by phone. Can they do that as well? Can they can. direct?
2: Yep. You can call us at 800 998 2221 and then our Facebook page. We got Twitter
0: page, YouTube channel, all those things out there. So jump on board. Just jump on board. Yeah. Uh, All right. It's really good to talk with you because I know you guys really keep up to date with everything going on in the industry as far as like, you know, the hours of service rules and uh, the 30 minute mandatory break that everybody's got to take, the 14 hour uh, duty day, the 11 hour driving time. What regulations keep you up at night? Oh gosh, well
2: my what keeps me well, well I have been sleeping a little bit better uh, because I think there aren't going to be too many more regulations. I think that's one of the nice things and really I do think that's a lot of why our economy is kind of doing the way it is is with the administration and their philosophy on saying, "Hey, let's let's take a uh, take a breather. Let's, take a breather. let's yeah, let some things back. settle down." And I think, you know, for people like us, that allows us to say, "Okay, I know I can take my capital now and invest it in something productive for us versus waiting to see what's going to be the next regulation that may change the way we have to do something or cost us. And so I think uh, that's kind of how we're looking at it. So uh, maybe sleeping a little bit easier uh, than in the past, but still, um, you know, one of the things we do is uh, you can't always control what regulation is going to be. So it's, it's to look at what, what is the regulation coming down the pike and how can we, best adapt to that and be the most efficient and most effective.
0: You know, the most efficient, most effective means being profitable. And and from the standpoint of looking at uh, the regulations overall, did you find that uh, some of the regulations are simply just winding up, costing the industry unnecessary money? Uh, are you going to be looking at those this different types of regulation and saying, you know, we maybe need to work on removing this or eliminating that or scaling back? Is that part of the overall approach? It
2: is. And, and the good thing is, is, you know, we have a new uh, director of the FMCSA being appointed yeah. and, and certainly, you know, with the with Trump's um, um, direction to say, hey, let's go try to find two regulations out there that we can get yep. rid of for every new two one that one. we put in there. Right. Um, I know the industry has been working uh, with the ATA and, and and others to try to give them that feedback. But I think, you know, one of the good things you mentioned earlier is we need to get that from the drivers, too. So what are the ones that they feel are really impacting them? And have that voice. So we're we're out reaching out to them too, and saying,
0: hey, you know, what keeps you up at night, <laughs> right. and uh, and how can we eliminate that? One of the uh, one of the items I often hear quite a bit is when drivers call to the phone, call in on the phone. They say, you know, I'd like the ability to be able to stop the clock. Mm-hmm. You know, have that flexibility. You know, if I'm up against construction, traffic, bad weather, if I got a break or whatever happens, maybe I can stop the clock, maybe get some rest and then start that clock back up again. Is that something that would be on maybe the immediate drawing board to look at? I think with ELDs now,
2: yes, and I think the FMCSA has signaled that um, you know they are doing some um, pilot programs with respect to you know looking at brakes and and how could uh, a driver actually be safer if they did get an intermediate break, uh, and I think one of the things they've been concerned about in the past is how do we validate still how many hours is somebody working overall in say a week, uh, a longer time period, and with the ELDs now that gives them you know information and it gives them that easier ability to um, ensure compliance with some flexibility. So I think that's something we could see coming
0: down the road. As far as CSA is concerned, uh, what are some of the some of the improvements that needs to be done? I know there's a, a lot of studies that are underway looking at that as to where it needs to go. What's your input on that?
2: Well, I think, you know, from where we started, we have come a long ways. And yeah. I think that the biggest thing is is that uh, we need the FMCSA to keep an open mind, um, which I think in, in many ways they have. Uh, you know, getting to the, the crash analysis for a causation, I know that's difficult because sometimes you're putting uh, officers in a position where they have to kind of decide uh, was it was a driver at fault here or not and and maybe allocate fault which they don't like to do and that's not what they're you know really there for in many ways but to me that's the biggest thing because um, you know often uh, it's not the 18-wheeler that's fault it can be the four-wheeler and so if we get that Uh, sort of analysis and then that fair treatment across the board with all trucking companies. I think that'd be a big
0: step. What what about as far as on the state level? I know that uh, so many uh, different state regulations come into play that, uh, you know, may go over and above what the FMCSA is uh, requiring. How complicated is that looking at some of the state laws versus federal laws? Does that present some issues? Yeah, the biggest area presents issues for us
2: is the wage and hour area, um, you know, because typically that is preempted uh, by federal law, but mm-hmm. some states have tried to, uh, you know, challenge that preemption. And often what we find in talking to our drivers is that's not what the drivers want. Um, you know, they like to be able to be rewarded for their efforts and not just you know, look to be paid to, to sit around. And so um, we work a lot with our drivers on input on that. And then certainly um, with uh, ATA and others to say, okay, what's the right balance here? Um, how can we ensure, uh, you know, there's a fair reward system for drivers and that it, it still pushes us to be efficient as a trucking company and shippers to be efficient and not waste the driver's time,
0: um, but at the same time not have, you know, big brother telling us exactly what to do. (laughs) I've got a break for a few minutes, guys. I'm coming up on traffic and weather. And ladies and gentlemen, again, if you want to jump in and join me in the conversation, I'd love to get you on board. The phone number, it is 888-876-2336. And man, it's great to be on the road. I am broadcasting live from the Conagra Manufacturing Facility. And I'm in the great state of Indiana. If you want to talk with my guest on the program for the first hour, I've got Tim Atchoff. He is with Creed. And I've got Eric Cutter with me as well. He is with Schaefer and let's go to traffic and weather and when we come back we're going to bring a driver on board and talk with him directly so we've got more of that coming up in just a minute right here on Sirius XM 146. Up to the minute news live on the trucking industry. It's Road Dog Trucking News with Mark Willis. Drivers, welcome back to the program, and again, the phone number to call in, it's 888-876-2336, and again, thank you for being out there, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for everything that you are doing out there on the road today, and I've got Tim Ashoff with me with Crete Corporation, and Tim, it's great to have one of your drivers join us here on Biz. the panel. Talk about uh, what, uh, this gentleman we got, Tabrian Smith, he's been a driver for how many years?
2: He's been a driver for five years, he's been with us for five months, and we're happy to have him on board. It took us a while to talk him into it. But he had a friend that drove here and <laughs> trying to get him over, and he finally joined us. We're glad to have him on
0: the team. Well, it's uh, good to see you. Thank you, sir. Yeah, it's so uh, wonderful to chat with you, and uh, you're over the road? Yes, sir. Okay, what do you do? Well, tell folks what you do as a professional truck driver. You're going from point A to point B, but there's a whole lot more to that.
3: Oh, yes. Um, you also have to consider uh, the other lives just on the road, um, not just yours. Uh, they also have families and you know people that they need to get home to just as well as we do. Um. Still have to maintain a excellent profession level, so have to keep that in my in my head. Yeah, absolutely. You
0: know, I would think that, uh, man. That's uh, that's something you got to live and breathe, and yes, having that that support behind you. Yes, sir. At the company is knowing that, man, you can get the job done. Yes, sir. Talk about how important that support is for you as a driver, knowing that the company's got your back. Um.
3: It's 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 a great feeling, man. Um. You know, like I said, I've been doing this for about five years. Um, Crete is a very, very vocal on um, your well-being. Um, if, if they know that you're going through some things, they'll call. They always call. They always send messages. They really have shown me that I'm a part of the family, so that's all I wanted.
0: Yeah, and, and this is something I think that's going to keep you in place for many years, right? You found a home.
3: Yes, sir. Found a
0: home. Yeah. And what would you like to do going forward? I mean, do you want to keep going out there on the road? Do you want to maybe move into management? That's another great thing about, yes, you know, working with an organization like this, that there are opportunities to learn new things, to move forward in the yes, industry. Sir. So yes, sir. What, what are your plans going forward?
3: Um, Honestly, uh, I would like to become an owner-operator, uh, of course, with Creek. Um, and uh, I just want to, you know, bring on any... Uh, new drivers that, you know, that are interested in driving and taking this profession serious like myself. You've got to take it seriously, right? Because like you mentioned, you've got yourself
0: and you got lives out there focusing around yes, the road sir. with you. Yes, sir. How does your family feel about you being a driver?
3: Oh, boy, that's a different story. Um, family, uh, they're very supportive. Um, they were kind of in the position where they wanted to see if I was going to actually do it because it was – um. I'm a great talker, okay, but okay. Not, uh, not a, you know, Mr. Do It type guy. You know, when you say great talker, I mean, talk about it. What does that mean? Oh, man, um, I have been talking for about five years about getting my CDL. Okay. And um, finally got off of my rear and said that I need to do this. And I've heard so many drivers and how much benefits, you know, the money aspect and just the just the unionship of the other drivers. I, I just love it, man. You know, one of the great
0: things about uh, Tim is that I know he's very visible yes. on social media and he's out quite a bit. I met up with him last night. As a matter of fact, we had, we had dinner along with Eric and uh, that's gotta be one of the great things about working with an organization and a company that is visible. Yes, sir. Right. How important is that to you?
3: Um, that is, that is very important. Um, you know, when they reach out to you, reach out to the drivers and, Like I said, they actually show that they care, that they care about you, and you're not just a truck number. Crete has, like I said, Crete has shown me nothing but respect, and they actually care about my well-being when I need to get home. I, I just, um, man, I, I'm still nervous. So, yeah, no, you're fine. You know, you're fine. Um, what do you think
0: about some of the things like the hours of service? You know, we were talking about that, about the, uh, you know, the 14-hour duty day, 11-hour driving time. Uh, you know, you see other aggressive drivers like four-wheelers out there. What are some of the things that you would like to say?
3: Um, things like that. On that, um, I wish that uh, that some of the 14-hour and the 70-hour rule was kind of manipulated a little bit. okay. Especially with um, traffic coming through Ohio and certain areas that I won't name. But, you know, it's heavy traffic areas. Um, I wish that we could, you know, stop and type traffic and our clock won't move because the other day I sat in traffic for about three hours Mm -hmm. and the clock was just moving and then I had to do an emergency pullover. So, I wish that that could be Manipulated a little bit. So in other words, that was going back to what we were
0: mentioning earlier about uh, maybe having the drivers have that ability at some point to maybe stop that clocking.
2: Yeah, and that's like a that. perfect example yep. with ELDs. I mean, you're obviously going to know exactly where the driver is at the time. So if he's going through Atlanta, say, yeah. and that's taking over three hours, or Dallas, uh, sometimes now these days. <laughs> Longer. <laughs> so you can see, you know, how far they've gone and how far they really haven't gone in that time and see with ELDs now, you could do that. Before on a paper log, it was harder for a, a compliance officer to see that. So I think yes, that's sir. a perfect example of where we could you know, maybe work with the FMCsa on situations like that and say what does that really do to a driver and should we adjust the hours of service still be safe at the yeah, end of the day right. we all want to be safe I mean as you mentioned you want to be able to go home to your family yes sir you want to protect the motoring public so the idea isn't to to reduce safety it's all at all it's how can we um, you know work together with the driver and uh, make it you know, more effective for
0: them. And, and from your vantage point, I mean, you pretty much have seen it all, right? I mean, from uh, aggressive road rage, uh, you know, the four-wheelers that are out there just cutting other folks off. What do you do in that case? I mean, do you back off and just say, man, just let, Lord, let that person get down the road as fast as they can. What do you do?
3: Uh, yes, sir. Um, That's kind of the approach that you have to take. Um, whatever is important for them to cut off an 18-wheeler, and I always say that they never know what we are carrying, even if we are light. They don't know that, but still respect the truck drivers. So when they jump in front of me, I kind of, you know, I hesitate. I back off a little bit and let them go on their merry way because whatever they got going on in that car is not going to benefit me at all.
0: Yeah, and I think one of the great things about it as well is that when those situations do come up, you've got the best equipment out there, right?
3: Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir.
0: Yeah, and that helps in the maneuvering, and that helps in in being safe out there. And again, that gets back to the safety culture, doesn't it? Yeah, safety is so important. You know, we, we operate by
2: seven principles and safety first and foremost is is one of those. And there's, you know, a couple of really key components to that. Um, one is the drivers that we hire. I mean, I, we 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 hire safe drivers with the experience that they need to be safe drivers. So that's very important. But then it's that culture of our company. And that shows in many ways from the equipment, as you mentioned, that we purchase with the safety systems we have on them and then keeping them well maintained and, and new, uh, relatively new. Uh, to do that. And then it's um, how we work with the driver Uh, from operations, working with the driver to make sure I have the right loads that match up with uh, their available hours of service all the way down to getting them home when they want to be home. Because, um, you know, oftentimes outside stressors can cause you, it causes me, causes you to start Thinking about something other than sure. my job, and so our our goal is to make sure that we're providing
0: good job satisfaction, and that then turns into good safety. It is uh, are any of your family members wanting to come out and drive with you or be on on the road with you for a while?
3: Uh, yes, they they are, but not during the winter. No, okay, no, absolutely. <laughs> they, want, they want to travel with me during the summertime. Sure, right? sure. And I, have, I no, have no snow, no ice. <laughs> no snow, no ice. Uh, my mother doesn't like thunder, but don't she's <laughs> not a problem and she wouldn't be listening though right i hope not <laughs> i really hope not
0: absolutely well i want to wish you the very best and uh, it is really great to talk with you because uh, you know often oftentimes you know we get more stories from the drivers you know what you guys are going through what you are experiencing out there on the road uh, thank you for doing this and uh, ladies and gentlemen let's give Dabrian smith a nice round of applause if you will for coming out and uh, chatting with us here live across Thank North you, America. I appreciate it. I got a break here for a few minutes, guys, coming up to the bottom of the hour. Let's do a news update, and we'll do that this minute right here on Sirius XM.
4: Live and up to the minute,
0: this is Road Dog, Dog Trucking, Trucking News with Mark Willis. Drivers, want to welcome you back live coast to coast and border to border. The phone number to call in, it's 888 876 2336 and it's great to be on the road. Ladies and gentlemen, I've got Tim Ashoff, the president of Crete, also Eric Cutter, the president of Schaefer, right across from the table with me here, and we are talking about what's going on in the industry, ladies and gentlemen, and it's again a great opportunity for me to be out on the road and talk with the folks at Conagra to talk about what goes on inside of the warehousing facility at the Great opportunity to take a tour of this facility. And I'll tell you, it is massive, to say the very least. I mean, we are talking about 1 million plus square feet of space in there and every product imaginable is inside of that warehouse. I mean, you are talking about a city unto itself, right? It it is. It's amazing. It it is amazing. But one of the things I found so amazing, too, as you go
2: through it is how organized, clean, and really really quiet it would it is. You know, you think with... 1.6 You know, 1.6 million square feet, and all the products that um, ConAgra has, and all the customers they have that they need to put loads together, that y- you'd almost expect a little bit more chaos, but it's
0: it looked like a very well oiled machine in there. You know, and at the top of the list, safety. I mean, there's so many different safety items that are in there as far as like, you know, helping those that are maneuvering the uh, the, uh, the, the, the the trucks, those that are, you know, those that uh, are loading the product. Inventory is also heavily monitored as well. And Eric, I, I know you've seen that as well. Yeah, I like the fact that how easy they've made it for a driver to come into. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Back out of the D.C. because they've considered the driver's time and they
0: understand what that means to the driver so that we make the driver more efficient. Yeah, and I think time is so critical with this because the quicker they can get in and get out of there, it keeps those wheels moving. So it's got to be great to see that collaborative partnership with Conagra and what you guys are doing. Yeah, Yes, it is. I enjoy I it finding matches in our customers'
1: networks yeah. to help create great driving jobs for our drivers to help maximize
0: their earning potential what they, when they're out there on the road away from home. You know, speaking of uh, finding drivers, I wanted to get your thoughts on some of the industry averages overall. Uh, American Trucking Association indicating that uh, the industry has struggled with trying to find drivers for more than 15 years, and uh, during the Great Recession, the freight volumes went down, allowing the industry to meet demand with some of the fewer drivers out there. But now, the economy is really going gangbusters here in many cases. I mean, the volumes are recovering, and it looks like the driver shortage has, again, become problematic. What are your thoughts on that? Well, it's certainly not getting any easier,
2: that's for sure. And not only is there increased demand for drivers due to the economy, as you mentioned, but uh, because the economy is – is improving. There's, uh, you know, increased competition from other sectors of the economy and now oil's back up, you know, yeah, above absolutely. $60 a barrel sure. and we lose a lot of drivers to the energy industry. So we're going to continue to, uh, you know, find ways uh, to try to, you know, attract more and more people to our industry. You know, unfortunately, you know, big part of that uh, is, you know, a couple of things. It's pay and lifestyle and and, uh, you know, we've been in an industry that, you know, ATA and many others have reported as an industry we've probably been behind on pay mm. versus the, the but rest it's getting of that. Better, right? But it is getting better. Yeah. Um, you know, it, and, uh, you know, we got to try to find that right balance uh, of, you know, doing things effectively and look for, you know, ways we can make it more attractive. And a lot of what we were talking about and when Eric and I were out on the road uh, this week talking to drivers is, was just about that. What, what can make this industry more attractive to you? What, what are your challenges? And he mentioned, you know, things as simple as parking, uh, you know, that, that becomes frustrating when you get done with your day and you're kind of tired, you go home, you go to bed you know, your bed's always in the same place. You don't have to worry about finding a place to park your bed. Well, they get to the end of their day after the working and now they're thinking about, Oh my gosh, where do I park? And, you know, we were at um, a truck stop this morning early. And one of the things we saw is, you know, it was packed and, you know, there's trucks parked in places they probably really shouldn't be, but they didn't have a choice. Mm. You know, they run out of time. And so if you're saying, Hey, why don't you come into this business where you get to, you know, drive all day and then, and then <laughs> good luck finding a place to sleep. I um, mean, you know, why I would say, well, why do I want to come in and do that? So that's why we're working with people like, you know, kind of as we mentioned with the parking here, and, and others to say, let's
0: make it a better job overall. And I think that will attract and retain more people. You know, speaking of retention, a lot of effort is being paid to keeping drivers in place overall. But in in your estimation, you look at it from the the other side. Is there a lack of drivers who? Are not qualified to be drivers. I mean, is that also kind of a kind of a double-edged sword? I mean, does that amplify the effects of the shortage on carriers?
2: You know, I think we've seen that uh, in many different parts of our economy. Uh, drivers certainly the qualifications that you need. Uh, to do that, you know, it's not one of those where it's easily to come right out of high school and get into this as a career. Sure, uh, and so you don't get the training uh, right out of high school to do it. But we're all seeing that in a lot of other trades. You know, we are diesel technicians. It's hard for us to find them as well because um, the, they haven't come out of high school. Uh, with that mindset you know we all talk about what do you want your what do you want your kids to do when they get out of high school we all say well you want to go to college sure and you know there are a lot of good careers out there like trucking where you know you don't need to go to college to do that but we're kind of not bridging that gap between high school to where they're ready for that career so we got to figure out a better way to do that so you would
0: you be in favor of a graduated cdl program well
2: i I think um you know one of the things um i'm on the executive committee the nebraska trucking association one of the things that we've talked about is um you know, maybe not as much as a graduated CDL program, but you know, right now uh, you can't drive across state lines until you're 21, but could you have, uh, like regional drivers, like for Nebraska, for example, oh, we sure. have Omaha on one side of the river and Council Bluffs on the other. Well, that's Iowa. Now, so we we can drive from Omaha all the way out to Scott's Bluff, which is 400 plus miles, but I can't drive from Omaha to Council Bluffs, which is two. And so how do we allow, um, you, you know, a, a situation where, where younger people can learn to drive still in a maybe a more controlled way, like regionally, mm. uh, that may attract them, keep them closer to home at the beginning. Um, you know, let them get their feet underneath them and then allow them to you know, become more over-the-road type drivers. What is at stake
0: at the supply chain and the economy overall if we don't fix this problem?
2: Well, uh, you know, it's just become more and more challenging. And I know that uh, certainly something the, the ConAgra folks here are concerned about too. So it's how do we continue to make the supply chain more effective, yeah, yeah. more efficient, and certainly you know, something that's constantly being worked on, probably much more so in the last 10 years as much as anything as we've seen inventory controls get much tighter. Uh, but in some ways, that's put more stress on us as a trucking industry because with, with less inventory, you have to be more precise. And we, that means we have to be, you know, our on-time requirements are much higher mm-hmm. and it makes it a little bit more stressful, which can make that driving job even more difficult. So it's, it's a tough balance in saying we need to, how can we, how can we lessen the need uh, maybe to, uh, or to lessen the, the uh, challenges that come from a driver shortage But by sometimes doing that,
0: it can make the job maybe not be as attractive as it should be. Most uh, drivers, according to some of the numbers from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, indicate the average age for a commercial truck driver is 55. And those numbers are extremely high. I mean, you look at 55 as being one of the benchmarks with that. If you talk to, say, a group of millennials and you say, okay let's go into trucking, a lot of millennials might say, well, that's something their grandfather did. Uh, does this mean that maybe in order to attract millennials into, say, refrigerated or uh, into other aspects of the industry, they need more technology, they need more Wi-Fi, they need more things that are going to be relevant to their generational age, that certainly trucking can get their hands around and maybe put it into practice? What are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, partnering with with customers
1: like ConAgro have actually put Wi-Fi in their break rooms, so that uh, you know people want to connect, they want to be able to see their families, and they want to be able to Skype or whatever they you know Face FaceTime their their families to stay in touch, and and working with customers to to gain more efficiencies and
0: to create more time with with their family is is good for us. Yeah, they know it's. I mean, the technology is there. If the word can get out that they know about it, then maybe that's going to bring more. More folks in the industry. From what I was reading from the American Trucking Association, about six percent on average are women, according to the ATA. What is your thoughts on that? Do we need to maybe ramp up more recruiting efforts to bring more women into the trucking industry? Uh, Absolutely. Um, You know, we're fortunate to have a higher percentage of that at Crete and
2: Schaefer of women, and um, you know, they're 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 great drivers. I mean, they're very reliable. Um, They're very well organized. They're very safe. And it's an occupation that they can be very successful at, and so I think the more that we can uh, take uh, our drivers that are in the industry, the the women that are in this, the industry, and show the rest of the of the world what it can be like, how it can be, uh, you know, a prosperous job for females, the better. And so I know we've, you know, groups like Women in Trucking, I think are doing a good job of that, and certainly, and I, I know that the more we can do, the more we can track. Uh, attract uh, more women in the industry.
0: It'll be great for everybody. Teams. What do, you, what do you think about teams? Is that one of the trends for the future is that uh, we bring more team operations into the trucking industry? Will that help alleviate some of the concerns? Well, I think as we see ELDs, I think there's going to be a requirement or a request for having
1: more teams, and then how do we do that as an industry to create more team driving
2: uh, You know, in, in, in the industry? Yeah, I think, you know, um, Husbands and wives, I think it may be a good way to do that. And we see a lot of drivers, you know, I think part of the reason that average age is 55, obviously there's the demographics of the whole U.S. population, but we see a lot of people that this is their second and third career. And one of the things I think is nice is that children are out of the home um, sometimes, you know, husbands and wives have had separate jobs. This is a way they can work together. And I do think maybe there's a way we can attract more teams by going after that husband and wife
0: team. You know, it's, uh, I think really that's an incredible job when you think about working as a team. I mean, you've got to be with somebody within an 8 by 10 box you know, literally 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But I've heard great success stories. I mean, really, really good success stories with team operations and how they can be beneficial, profitable, you know, build sense of camaraderie. Plus you get to see the uh, see the country out there. So why, why not, right? Why not look at it? Yeah, absolutely.
2: And it's great to see, we, we have a number of husband and wife teams that uh, really do enjoy that. And then sure. they like sharing with it, you know, they come in and say, hey. You know, we, we appreciated getting this load to this place in California because we hadn't been there, and we, on our break, we, we took a 34-hour reset out there
0: and were able to do this, this, and this, and they're having a you know, great time out on the road. As far as like, some of the medical issues, uh, a lot of the drivers will call up and say that they are suffering from uh, undiagnosed sleep apnea. Is that uh, some, of the, uh, some of the concerns you guys hear about as far as what uh, some of the drivers may be running across? Yeah, absolutely. Driver health in general is is key, uh,
2: not only to their own well-being, but to safety. And so we actually started back in 2010 our own sleep apnea testing program. Um, We knew it was a challenge out there for drivers, but we also know it's a challenge that can be very expensive to manage and time-consuming for a driver to manage on their own. So we actually uh, contracted with a third party, and we have sleep labs in uh, three of our terminals built right into the terminals where we have drivers that have the signs of sleep ap- you know, apnea after going through their DOT physical or if their DOT physician requires them to get a sleep study, we put them right in uh, through a sleep study at our terminal. Um, it gets read right away the next morning and they can be you know back out in the road basically in two days versus sometimes two months if they sure. have to go do it on their own. And then we pay for that cost of that sleep study because we know that can be very expensive as well. Um, because part of the reason we've done that is we've seen the benefits of it. We have a lot of drivers that are on um, sleep apnea devices, CPAPs, Mm -hmm. APAPs, and they come in and tell us, you know, look, I didn't realize how poorly I was sleeping, I've lost 20 pounds, my Mm -hmm. blood pressure's down, and, you know, just seeing the benefits of it really said this is the right thing to invest
0: in for our drivers. All right, i got a break, guys, I'm coming up on Traffic and Weather, and again, you are more than welcome to join us in the conversation. Ladies and gentlemen, I am broadcasting live from the Conagra facility here in Indiana. Love to get you on board. If you want to talk with my guest this hour, Tim Ashoff with Crete and also Eric Cutter with Safer. Love to get you in, man. If you want to jump in and bring up any questions or observations that you want to bring to the table. 50 minutes after, let me update what's going on with traffic and weather. We'll do that this minute right here on Sirius XM. Up to the minute news, live on the trucking industry, it's Road Dog Trucking News with Mark Willis. Drivers here, we have flown through this first hour here on the program. Tim Ashoff, the president and chief operating officer for Crete Carrier Corporation is with me, along with Eric Cutter, the president of Schaefer Trucking. And uh, gentlemen, it's good to see you both. Appreciate you inviting me up here to talk with the uh, drivers. I do want to get websites and phone numbers out there again where drivers can find you guys. Sure. The best place to go is to creekcarrier.com. com. has all the information you
2: have, has links, has our phone numbers, has our social media sites. But our phone number is uh, 1-800-998-2221. And certainly go out there and follow us on Facebook and Twitter, and we'll keep you up to date with what we have
0: going on. Outstanding. And uh, as we get ready to wrap up this segment, I want to get your outlook, your projection for this year, what is on the top of the drawing board uh, for Crete? What are some of the things you're going to be looking at, addressing, bringing to the table? What needs to be talked about? In other words, well, we think there's a lot of great opportunity out there. You know, because we talk, the economy is getting
2: better. There's a high demand for. Um, our trucking services which really means there's a high demand for drivers so I think it's going to be a great year for drivers I think a lot of the things we talked about this hour we're going to see some action on and you know we, we have a some more sense of urgency when there's higher demand uh, to, to fix some of the things that are challenges for drivers so I think we're going to see a lot of improvements out there for drivers and then finally I mean pay is going to go up we're seeing it already um, we had a driver pay increase on January 1 of this year um, we've, we've done pretty much a driver pay increase every year that's kind of how we operate because we know your expenses go up out there on the road overall and we need to keep the good quality drivers out there.
0: And uh, with the demand going up, i just seen that continue. All right. Outstanding and regulatory. That's also, I'm sure, going to be looked at, uh, looking at hours of service and uh, different things that come up as well. It's going to be a very busy year, in other words, right? It will be. Um, you know, it's, it continues
2: uh, You know, continues to see what's going to change, and, and we have to continue to see what what will happen and, and hopefully we'll have some stabilization as we talked earlier on regulation where we don't see a lot of things new unless it's uh you know things that can help us as an industry
0: all right what's at the top of your list Eric?
1: we're gonna grow we're going to work with our shippers like Conagra we're going to find efficiencies together to
0: to find win-win scenarios and, and improve the driving job you know and that's at the the bottom line i mean that's what's what it's all about is helping that driver and everything that they're doing out there and keeping that driver in place and uh, that is why it's so great you know to have that open line of communication say between the driver and those that are in the management office those are that are in the leadership role because you've got folks that will that will listen and can really make a difference so if anybody's got suggestions or ideas, man, bring them forward, right?
2: Absolutely. And, you know, we, Eric and I always, you know, we give our phone number out to our drivers uh, all the time. So it's great to have that direct communication. And, you know, one of the things we tell them is, um, you know, we have, we, as, as the, as the company have, you know, two important jobs, we have to have good quality drivers And then we have to to have good quality customers because really what we're doing is we're putting together good quality drivers with good quality customers. So that feedback they give us on customers that they're seeing is important to us so that we make sure we're getting the right product for them uh, to stay with
0: us as a company. All right, uh, gentlemen, I want to thank you for joining me for the hour. Ladies and gentlemen, let's give Eric Cutter and Tim Ashoff a nice round of applause for joining us on the program for today. And I'm going to bring you back as we close out uh, the hour. I'll bring you back on for uh, for a few minutes as well. Ladies and gentlemen, again, I am broadcasting live from Canagra Frankfurt. It's a distribution center for the food that they manufacture and the facility receives loads from their production plants and then it's mixed with other food products shipped on to grocery customers like Walmart, Kroger and Creed is proud to be involved with a 20 year strategic partnership with Canagra. So that's coming up in just a few minutes. I will bring on board two representatives from Canagra coming up in just a couple. So I want you to get involved come on in and join us questions comments and observations you are certainly welcome to bring them to the table all right a short commercial break ladies and gentlemen stay with me i'm mark willis live across north america right here on sirius hexam 146 Road Dog Trucking News is live with the latest news and issues from across the trucking world. Road Dog Trucking News with Mark Willis. Driving will Sam's tower number two of Sirius XM's Road Dog trucking news. I am in, at the Canagra Frankfurt, Indiana Distribution Center right now, ladies and gentlemen, and this facility receives loads from their production plants, and it's mixed with other Conagra food products shipped on to grocery customers like Walmart, on to Kroger and Crete. Carrier, proud to be part of a 20-year strategic partner with Canagra. There are hundreds of folks that are working at this facility, ladies and gentlemen. This is a city unto itself. And, you know, you think about all of the things that are going on here from the warehousing operation to the storing of the of the product on the shelves. I mean, I had the opportunity to take a tour and man, what a tour it was to be able to see what goes on behind the bay doors. And I'm going to get into a lot more conversation about that this hour here on the program. I've got two brand new voices here on the show to join me. Brian Stover has 20 years of experience in the transportation of the warehousing industry. He's been with Conagra Brands for 14 years, and he is the, currently the Senior Director of Transportation. And I'm reading some notes about you, Brian, that your team procures, plans, and manages a network of approximately 300,000 loads annually across multiple modes over in over 200 origins out there. Man, it's good to see you. That's a big job that you've got.
4: Well, I'm lucky. I have a pretty uh, pretty competent team, and uh, they execute for me and for the company. Uh, We're pretty blessed with uh, a lot of folks that have a lot of tenure and experience in transportation.
0: Man, that's one of the keys, right? I mean, is getting a team in place, having that team ready to go. And, uh, you know, often we will talk about in the trucking industry about, say, a shortage of drivers and other areas in the trucking industry that, that need help. Warehousing is a great career to be in. Talk about that—about longevity, about tenure, about benefits, about you know dollars that are involved. Great opportunities if folks look at warehousing overall. Right?
4: Yeah, I think uh, Keith can probably talk to the warehousing side uh, quite a bit more. But one of the things that we have on the transportation side is we are uh, we're fortunate that we get to work with uh, a wide variety of different carriers, and so you get to experience a variety of different. Uh, 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 companies and, uh, working with the different modes. If you come from the trucking industry, there are different things that you can do within our organization from planning loads, Mm uh, to supporting the appointment scheduling at our sites. Uh, there's a variety of different things from the warehousing on through to the transportation group.
0: All right. Keith Furman, senior director warehousing operations for Conagra brands, one of North America's leading food companies, 98% of the brands in my household cabinet in my kitchen, are indeed under Canagra. It's uh, I got, we got a lot of stuff there. Uh, customers know these names like Banquet, Healthy Choice, Marie Calendars, and Grocery, Convenience, Mass Merchandise, and Club Stores. And, Keith, I'm reading a little bit of background about you, and it's uh, reading that you've got the responsibility for the warehousing functions over the dry and temperature control divisions, including the plant-based warehouses and distribution centers. And as Brian was mentioning, uh, teamwork has got to be critical with this. And it sounds like you got a great team yeah, at absolutely. Uh, at, the, at your hand, right? Yes, I absolutely do. Talk about them. What do they do? Um, so I,
5: my team is split up between plant-based operations as well as mixing center operations. So I have a, a team of uh, a couple of managers as well as several hundred people, obviously,
0: that uh, move freight. Uh, getting them on the trucks and getting it off the trucks you know we uh, had the opportunity to take a tour earlier this, this morning as a matter of fact and man it was really incredible yeah i mean to see that and uh, you guys were pointing out you know some of the different aspects of what goes on inside of the outside of the warehouse as well gotta make you feel good right when you see all of the efficiencies that are built in to the system Talk yeah about that. yeah so from an efficiency standpoint um You
5: know, we have layer pick, we have case pick, full pallet operations, and putting
0: all that together to put together a load for a customer – that's what's really important, you know. Putting that uh, and that requires the collaboration and the and the teamwork approach, right? I mean, that communication effort is so critical with all of this, right?
4: Yeah, the one of the things that I think that we're uh, we're pretty fortunate. We work with some of the best partners in the industry. Um, this particular facility that we're at today is is managed by uh, Ryder. They do a fantastic job for us. Uh, They help us in partnering with us just like we do with our carriers in terms of identifying opportunities for streamlining efficiency. One of the things that we have uh, found over the last several years is, you know, transportation warehousing used to be measured in terms of days mm-hmm. what we're seeing now is things are measured in minutes and i think the drivers that that you know haul our freight recognize this too the faster we can get them through our facility the better off they are in terms of managing their hours and for us the thing that it does is it allows us to optimize our time we can pick more we can manage our facility a little bit better um, but it's it's a lot it has a lot to do with the partnerships that we have
0: you know this is an incredible facility i mean we're talking about what one Point six million yep, uh, square feet and yep. uh, you know had the great opportunity like I mentioned to take a a tour of the facility and I, I think you were mentioning one of the stories to me that uh, this uh, plant when it was constructed it was built uh, in a certain way due to the curvature of the earth right well it just
5: states that there's basically 1.4 inches uh, of curvature across okay. the entire building okay there wasn't anything necessarily went into it that was special about building it to uh, Handle the
0: curvature of the Earth or anything. <laughs> okay, okay, but you know, but maintaining that that facility is really incredible. You know, when you think about uh, all of the all of the components that go along with it. I mean, we're talking about dedicated teams. We're talking about you know the safety aspect. Your teams are top of the line. Training, safety—it's all got to be a collaborative teamwork approach, right? Correct. Yeah, and from your standpoint, I mean, that's what it really gets down to—is the, you know, the whole idea of having that team that is going to be looking at this and saying, you know what, we've got a, we got a shared mission, we've got a objective, and this is how we're going to accomplish it. Talk about that, if you will.
4: Yeah, so, you know, as you can imagine, with 1.6 million square feet and, and the number of trucks that we push through this facility on a day-to-day basis, it'd be very easy to be inefficient. Uh, so what we have to focus on is is how we can find those efficiencies. And when we were building this facility, I think uh, Tim touched on it, is we, we, we reached out to the carriers. What could we do to make <clears> themselves a little bit better? Um, and when we built the facility, we brought in uh, some amenities that, you know, we hadn't done before, you know, such as allowing a driver to take downtime actually on our site. Uh, Driver's lounges, we've always had driver's lounges, but we invested a little bit more into that space because we recognize the value that the driver brings to us. The other things that we're doing now is we're moving more towards how do we streamline our systems and our processes in terms of getting the transactions through our systems a little bit better. And we're turning our attention to how we can set appointments more efficiently Mm -hmm. working with the carriers. If we can get the right appointment for the carrier, it allows us to yet again take out minutes from our uh, from our transactions so we've uh, we've just started a a project on uh, automating and also streamlining our appointment system so what this will allow us to do is we'll be able to allow the carriers to actually interface directly with our system and schedule appointments directly it'll also allow us to see across our entire network we have multiple sites spread throughout the country uh, it'll allow us to see our appointment execution across the country um, and when we see issues, when we have uh, issues with weather and we have to change our schedule, it'll allow us to engage a variety of different folks in that conversation, both at the corporate level, site level, carrier level. So what we're expecting is is that collaboration will allow us to get to answers faster. We don't have to wait for phone calls going back and sure. We're all going to have the same level of visibility.
0: And, and I think that has got to be so important out there because you're bringing multiple platforms of technology to the table. And it's this is being done in real time. Like you mentioned, no phone calls. I mean, it can be done just like that, you can immediately pinpoint where a problem might be, and then this is where your team can jump into action yep. to help get uh, things uh, back on track. You know, safety is uh, also one of the key considerations, and when I was taking the tour earlier today, I mean, it was pointed out several different, you know, safety aspects of what uh, what was going on inside of the inside of the plant, and I was watching the uh, forklift opter operators, you know, very closely, and they are focused. I mean, they are really, really focused focused out there, and they have got equipment on board that helps them navigate through that. One of the things I was really impressed with was the fact, was the fact that they've got a blue light on, on that. Talk about that. What is that? Yes, yeah, so that's that become uh, pretty
5: standard across the industry, but that blue light basically okay. travels behind them about, I'd call it, 8 to 10 feet, and what that does is as you drive backwards, that indicates when there's a forklift coming, so a lot of the times you don't see uh, a forklift, but that light will indicate that there is somebody coming.
0: I need to watch out for them. And, and also too, that uh, when the forklift operators indeed come on board, they go through a very, uh, very, uh, a very uh, comprehensive training program from top to bottom, right? Correct. What, yeah. are they, what do they do? Talk about. So
5: they'll, they'll have a couple days of just classroom activity where they're learning the operations, they're learning the the RFIDs, uh, learning all about the equipment, and then they'll go through basically six weeks of training
0: to be before they're fully up to speed on a forklift. Okay, and, and and some of these guys, man, I tell you that when I was watching them this morning, they were doing an incredible job. I mean, uh, I saw one gentleman. He went down what seemed to be like a track. I yes, and that's the, our layer pick operation. Yeah, okay, and that was pretty interesting because he was able to go down down that track and uh, find the particular product that he was after. Uh, he raised up the forklift and then he was able to pull that thing. Off the shelf, and he did that within just a matter of seconds. Yeah, he's really
5: using uh, basically a clamp to clamp an entire layer at a time. You can clamp, you know, up to, you know, depending on the weight of the product, three, four layers at a shot. Uh, move that over, and that's how we build pallets of multiple products where our customers don't require a full pallet of product, where they just require a layer. Uh, and then we also have case-pick operations where we're pulling one case at a time.
0: And, and it's just, I would imagine, much more safer than some of the traditional ways of, of things, the way it was done? Am I right?
4: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think it is much safer, um, as well as it's much more efficient. Allows us to uh, uh, better leverage our time, and also with the size of this facility, you know, as you're yeah. noting as you walk around, I mean, it's a it's, it's hard big. to see from one side, one end to the other. Sure. Uh, it allows us to optimize our space and really use and condense those products that are hand picked or uh, layer picked into a much tighter area for us. <laughs> well, and, you, just, and just like Tim said, sorry. <laughs> Just like Tim said, though, like the
5: time that a person, you know, a, a driver's out on the road, uh, it's the same as a forklift driver, right? If I got to drive from one end of the building to the other, sure. that's dead time, right? That's time that I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not
0: operating. You know, and, and I think maximizing the, you know, the efficiency is critical. And part of maximizing that efficiency is knowing exactly where that product is where is it how can i get to it talk about that because what i think i was really impressed with is the fact that you guys are utilizing a barcode system to keep track of a lot of that inventory talk about what that means and how does that work as far as maximizing your efficiency
5: yeah so we have a warehouse management system that we utilize that basically tells the driver exactly where at the warehouse the product is located okay so he'll go and scan uh, the location, scan the product, take the product to the dock, scan the dock door, put the product you know, on the dock. Somebody else may come along later and then take that product and put it on the truck. But we know exactly where that product is throughout its entire time being in the warehouse here. The
0: the forklift operator, he also has a computer on board. He can find out where that thing is. And and that replaces what the traditional method of somebody handing him a piece of paper. paper And and you go and just try to find it out in the warehouse somewhere. I've got to imagine as well, gentlemen, with the amount of technology that is being brought in, safety, 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 being stressed that, uh, man, accidents I mean numbers look good. Talk about that. I mean, as far as like safety numbers, that's the bottom line, improving safety overall. Yeah,
5: yeah, so a lot of the things that you talked about before, the blue light, yeah. um, the instructions, we go through a safety briefing before every single shift here at the facility to mm. make sure what do you, bring up? What do you uh, bring up? We have different topics every day. So some topics can be uh, remember to drive in reverse uh, when you when you don't have a pallet on your on your um, on your forklift. Uh, coming into intersections who's got the right way okay uh, things like that will come up during that conversation a lot of folks may not know
0: why would forklifts back up like that because uh, they got Forks on the front, and they can stab people. With okay, them. <laughs> okay, okay. And that's a, that's a good case in point. Yeah. I mean, if somebody's not familiar, would say a warehousing operation. I mean, right. that's something that one well, also. If you think need about to be also, there's the you know, for,
5: the forks on the front of it are four feet. I mean, you're not going to see the lift. All you're going to get's the fork. Okay. okay. So if you drive backwards, then you have less. Then there's less, less chance of, uh, of of an impact.
0: Right. Okay. And a lot of folks might not know that. Yeah. I mean, because you know, from the uh, you know the standpoint of what uh, say the trucking industry does, that they only would go like the bay door, mm-hmm. and then. They would stop. Somebody would either load or unload or maybe a drop, drop and hook. And that's why I think this is great information to know about, because it gives the driver a perspective as to what goes on behind the scenes. Right. You know, it's not so much, okay, it's like we gotta get to the shipper and wait. There's a whole chain of events that have got to take place with this, and you know that's that's one of the great things about it. You're constantly evaluating safety. You're looking at operational procedures, and this helps folks out there that are listening understand. You know there are blue lights on on the forklifts, and you know the the, uh, the forklift operators will maybe drive will drive backwards for safety. Right. So that's that whole safety culture that is that starts at the top, doesn't it? Yeah, and it and it just just trickles right on down.
4: Yeah, if you think about taking it from the warehouse on into the trucks. I mean... This facility, I think, is a great representation of really focusing on safety. When the when the trailers get backed in, we swing the doors inside the building, so okay. people going outside walking around the building. Why is that, oh. Tom? It, it's more efficient and okay. it's much safer because now we don't have somebody going outside to swing the doors. Uh, it, it allows everything to operate within the facility. You know, like today it's raining. You don't. You're not going out there in the yard uh, uh, with a with a person. The other thing is, is when the trailer leaves our sites now. Uh, like in this site, you know, we're looking at uh, Uh, scrapers for the top of the trailer to get the snow off the top. We have scales as you exit this facility. And the thing that we have now just started uh, uh, implementing along with our appointment system is visibility to our loads as they're in motion. So as there's weather events, as loads look like they're going to be late, we can have the conversation to understand why, what's going on as it's in transit, so we can communicate to the carrier as well as to the customer, here's the situation that we have, what are we going to do, how can we uh, solve the problem.
0: And again, all of this is in real time. Yes. Yes, That's amazing. All right. I got a break, guys. I'm coming up on traffic and weather. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to jump in to the conversation, I'd love to get you on board. I've got two new voices here on the program, Brian Stouffer. He is 20 years plus in the transportation and the warehousing industry. He's been with Conagra Brands for 14 years. Keith Furman, Senior Director of the Warehousing Operations for Conagra Brands. And we're going to talk more about things that are going on inside of the warehouse. I wanted to bring you this Look behind the bay doors. I want to talk about technology jobs. I want to get into the warehousing jobs that are out there as well. You guys have heard about the shortage in the trucking industry. You know that there is a shortage of diesel taxable warehousing is growing by leaps and bounds. And we're going to, we're going to talk more about that coming up in just a few minutes. First, of all, let me update what's going on with traffic and weather. And I'll do that this minute right here on Sirius XM. To the Minute News, live on the trucking industry, it's Road Dog Trucking News with Mark Willis. Drivers, hey, welcome back. And again, I am live coast to coast. And border to border. It is good to be out and about, ladies and gentlemen. I took the ankle monitor off of my ankle and I was able to escape uh, from my home in suburban Dallas, Fort Worth. Uh, But it's great to get out and see folks. You know, it is one thing for me to be able to report on the news. I've got 40 years reporting news experience, ladies and gentlemen. So important for me to get out and get away from my computer and see what folks are doing. That's where you find the real stories, you know, talking with people face to face. And I was thrilled to be able to come up to uh, Indiana. I am at Conagra Frankfurt. It's a distribution center for the food that they manufacture. We're talking about some of the nation's household brands, ladies and gentlemen, like Maria Calendar. The facility receives loads from their production plants. It's then mixed with other Conagra food products and then shipped on to grocery customers like Walmart and Kroger. And we are here with Crete Carrier, and they are celebrating a 20-year strategic partnership with Conagra. And Brian Stouffer is with me, along with Keith Furman. And guys, it's really good to see you. I really appreciate you inviting me up and, you know, giving me a tour behind the scenes and seeing what is going on. Because like I mentioned at the outset of the program, one of the things that, you know, a lot of times in the trucking industry we hear about is what goes on in trucking. And we hear a lot about... You know, what's going on at the shippers, that there are delays and, you know, drivers can't get in and out as quickly as they need to or the shipping industry is not fully on board, understanding what the driver's needs are. Different story here. You guys want to hear from drivers. You are working with drivers. You're working with companies,
4: right? Yeah, we we do want to hear that feedback because we firmly believe if we're going to deliver savings to our company, we need to make our carriers very efficient and uh, Mm -hmm. find savings for them, and we we impact that at our sites. Um, We do welcome the feedback from the drivers. Uh, Like I said uh, earlier on, when we were constructing this site, we sought out a lot of feedback, and we wanted to hear it from drivers. Um, What did they say? What, I think it was, you know, it's. I think it's the common uh, themes. Uh, it takes too long to get in and out of facilities. Right. Uh, they're they're not efficient. They they delay me. They don't understand what I need. Um, they don't recognize the. You know, I'm I'm a human too. I have I have personal needs too. I mean, simple things is finding a restroom. Uh, so when we were constructing this facility. We really wanted to make sure that we took into account all of those things because it does. It makes us more efficient, which, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it should save us all money. Um, But more importantly is it makes us more efficient to be able to service our customers. And in a world where service is being measured in a shorter amount of time and there's more focus on service, uh, it's requiring us to find every efficiency we possibly can.
0: Looking at that from the efficiency standpoint, that means bringing in people that are going to be needed to help meet those efficiencies out there. And like I mentioned earlier, you know, there's uh, the driver shortage, and then we've got the uh, diesel technician shortage as well. Warehousing, I am seeing more and more stories going up on Bloomberg, CNBC, Reuters that say this company or this facility is going up or this company is putting in a 100,000-square-foot operation that is going to be warehousing certain types of products out there. This is a new frontier, right, with warehousing. Great jobs, great opportunities. Man, give it a look at least, right?
5: Absolutely, yeah. I mean, from a from a warehousing perspective, um, it's getting harder and harder to find people, uh, and and just like on the driver side, like uh, Tim was saying uh, before, you know, it's hard to find drivers. Hard to get forklift drivers as well into the facilities. Um, you know, we partner with Rider Logistics. Uh, they are doing they are an excellent partner. They're doing a really great job for us in and making sure that we keep staffing. But that's one of the things that causes driver delays, right? You know, just like a driver shortage, not being able to get people to come into
0: your warehouse and operate and get products on trucks that causes delays as well. You know, the technology, I think, is also maybe helping to facilitate that turn time, if you will. Uh, I know you guys have been investing heavily in technology. Talk about that. I mean, we're talking about expenditures maybe in the 1000000s i I'm sure,
4: right? Yeah, we we recently, I shouldn't say that recent. it's been quite well now, uh, we overhauled our transportation system. So as we started to think about how do we make ourselves better, we Mm -hmm. started internally first, you know, looking inward to say what do we need to do to streamline our internal processes. Uh, So we we implemented a, I would argue, a best-in-class transportation system. Uh, That was about seven years ago. Uh, Then we move forward and uh, uh, since then we have focused on how do we interface with people more efficiently. How do we drive ourselves to be more effective with, with, with our different uh, 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 partners and that's where we have turned to the visibility externally with uh, uh, being able to see our, our loads and movement, the appointment system all of this is intended to take advantage of, of the real time capabilities of the systems that are out there so that as we're making decisions, um, we're, we're ultimately trying to drive to where we have a control tower kind of model where we can see mm. an order and a shipment all the way through our our entire process and system and find where we have gaps and issues and try to fix those problems so we don't repeat the same behavior. Because uh, it, it can become habit, and we don't want to have habits. We want to be constantly reinventing ourselves and thinking about what what we should be we- in that Driving benefits and value.
0: When you mention Ryder, uh, that uh, they're playing a role in helping uh, with some of the operational and the management, uh, you know, concepts and things that need to be done. What kind of feedback are you getting from them? I'm sure that's a continual two-way communication. right? Yeah, absolutely. We have a really great relationship with Ryder, uh, you know, and and
5: as we were talking about um, on the labor side, a lot of the things that we're looking at is you know, the more that you automate things the less people it takes, um, obviously. So, you know, we're constantly looking into that as well as looking into gamification, which is this... What is that? Basically, it's the concept of turning your job into a game. Okay. Right? So think about it as you have four or five teams out there in the warehouse that are, you know, and they're all on teams. You know, four or five teams out there. It's a football game. Uh, You get points for hitting your labor targets. You get points for showing up to work. You get points. And at the end of the day... You know, turn turning things into more of a game will attract more millennials and and, the, and and those type of people. So trying to get people in that uh um yeah, trying to get people in that um that uh you know, played a lot of games as kids yeah. and things like that, like
0: myself. Is that the future in your estimation? Absolutely. I mean, yeah. You know, because I know trucking is running in. Make it. your job fun. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, from the standpoint of the, you know, the trucking industry, you know, a lot of the drivers out there are in their mid-50s. And, you know, they got that salt and pepper thing going on like me up here. And (laughs) then there's no hair up there, but I didn't want to mention it. But the point of the matter is so that uh, I'm sure you're getting a lot of, you know, those that are in the warehousing and maybe been in 30 years in the business, they're retiring. Right. You know, they're saying enough, okay, I want to go fishing, go to the lake out there. So is that the answer in your estimation to bringing ma- millennials in? Maybe those in their 20s, 20-ish, give them more technology. I mean, let's face it, most of them were born with an iPad right. in their hand. I mean, yeah, They, they start out early,
5: don't they? Like a lot of people, I guess, would want to come in and you know, do my job and go home. But there's a lot of people that I.
0: it has to be fun, it has to yeah, be engaging, yeah, it has to, has to keep you entertained. Yeah, absolutely, so, and profitable right you know and, and competitive wages i'm sure are really you know high on the list out there talk about that i mean uh, you know the wages are good benefit it's a career yes it absolutely
5: is yeah so you know i'd say our wages are, are very competitive with with the where the industry is uh, you know, and we we do an annual survey, basically making sure that we keep our wages
0: in line with what you know, as, as well as our benefit packages. All right, I got a break, guys. I'm coming up on news. Great job, and uh, drivers, I've got Brian Stofer with me right in front of me here. Uh, he has got 20 plus years in the transportation of the warehousing industry, and Keith Furman is the senior director of warehousing operations for Conagra Brands. And again, great to be on the road, folks. I am at the. Conagra Frankfurt Distribution Center in Indiana. Uh, this is the place where, uh, where they manufacture the is a distribution center rather for the food. Manufacturer factory in the facility receives loads from their production plants. It's mixed with other Conagra food products, and then it's off to Walmart, Kroger, all of the stores that you can think of. If you want to join us in the mix, I'd love to get you on board. I've got uh, some lines open again. It's 888-876-2336. Let me update you as to what is going on with news. Let's do that at the bottom of the hour right now here on Sirius XM. Live and up to the minute. This is Road Dog Dog Trucking Trucking News with Mark Willis. Hi, drivers. Hey, we are flying through this, and I want to send a thank you out to Crete Schaefer for inviting me up here, and I want to send a thank you out to the great folks at Canagra. I am at Canagra, Frankfurt, Indiana, and this is a distribution center, guys, for the food that they manufacture. I mean, you think about you know some of the household names that are out there uh, like Maria Calendars. We are talking about uh, some really great brands ladies and gentlemen and i think 98% of those brands are in my food pantry in my home in suburban dallas and uh, it is good to get a view from behind the bay doors folks about you know what goes on inside of the warehouse the distribution center it's another world if you if i can say that because you've got Hundreds of folks like at this facility that are working on making sure the products are taken care of. I mean, there's so many safety items that are inside of the plant here, you know, from uh, temperature-controlled products. They've got a gigantic ceiling fan uh, that is inside the uh, the building to keep the air circulating. And what did what was the phrase I heard? It's a big fan or something like a big ass fan. <laughs> yes, right. yes, that is exactly. What the, is that? It's a big ass you. What is that thing? It's
5: uh, used to that's circulate the... air throughout the entire building. So there are okay. several of them in the ceiling that are used to just keep the humidity down sure. and keep the air circulating. It also helps on you know you think of building this size if you were to actually have to heat it oh, yeah. or cool it. Oh yeah, you could those fans move a lot of air so you can actually not have to do a lot of those things that you'd have to have that expense on.
0: I would also imagine too that uh, this also helps keep the humidity levels correct. down because uh, with the cement floors sometimes you can get uh, maybe a beating of water on on the surface if the temperatures are right. That is correct, correct? I yes. mean what, what and is- we
5: we do have we do have a humidity system in this facility that actually is checking to ensure that the temperature the temperature and humidity within the concrete within the building are kept at a constant. And we get alerts if if it gets above a certain tolerance. What do you do it, when the alert goes on? Uh, call a guy that knows about humidity <laughs> and air conditioning. <laughs> <laughs> call <him> the ultra. <laughs> <Right>.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. So I know, call him. Just call Burton, I guess, or something. No, I, I, I would imagine there's more than Burton. From... Yeah, <laughs> you probably have a whole team that watches all this, right? Yes. Okay, what do yeah. they do? Is that around the clock monitoring when they... I mean, for, for that particular
5: system, it's, it's an automated... Okay. Uh, oh, it's automated. It's automated. We get okay. alerts on our phones uh,
0: when something's going wrong. But Bird is the guy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And Bird's kind of listening, going, oh, no, wait a minute. Right, exactly. <laughs> oh, man. You know, you guys have got such a vast network, uh, and and you think about all of the things you do as far as, you know, getting the uh, the groceries to the customers to, uh, you know, heading them out down to Walmart and Kroger, how do you manage all of that? Yeah, so That's got to be a daunting task, right?
4: Uh, I think we do a pretty good job of keeping it under control. Okay. Uh, the big thing for us is we, we have a variety of manufacturing sites all throughout the country, a variety of different warehouses all throughout the country, different sizes, temperature control, etc. And when we think about the transportation uh, space on how we service all those moves between our facilities as well as to our customers, um, we do an annual RFP for our business. And one of the key things that we really focus on is I want to keep that driver in my network for as long as possible, or at least give the carrier the opportunity to keep their trucks moving through our network as much as possible. So our goal is to look at trying to keep a carrier going from a raw material site through a production site catching another load to one of our mixing centers just like this, and then ultimately to a customer. And hopefully that customer load gets them close to where they can do another loop with us again. Uh, So we really do focus and work with our carriers to to make that as efficient as possible and also to leverage their assets in our network for as long as possible because we recognize – the less a driver has to go to another site to get another load, the more we can get them just, you know, dropping and hooking within our facilities, the way more efficient they're gonna be and the way more efficient we are as well. Cause it feeds us our our materials that are needed. Mm-hmm. gives us drop and hook, a variety of different things that allows Keith and the warehousing team to be very efficient within the four walls of the box.
0: Is drop and hook the wave of the future in your estimation?
4: Um, we, we leverage it just because it also a lot of our uh, production facilities, they just don't have the same space that we do at a facility like this. And also we recognize that that allows us to load at different hours. It allows the facility to be really efficient and I think it in, affords the carrier opportunities to kind of buffer and and, and work uh, a little bit of a different network than if it is constant live live. Because uh, let's face it, some of our consignees are not very efficient. Mm-hmm. They can they can sit on a, on a load for an incredible amount of time and that's very challenging. So we have to try to make up and come up with efficiencies within our network. I, I've also got to think
0: too that because of the size of your organization, you mentioned that there are eight other uh, Conagra facilities that are located mm-hmm. throughout the U.S. I mean if you were looking at uh, say a list of your inventory or supplies, and if there is a shortage over here, that you can maybe go to the facility over there and say we need this product. So does that help maximize the efficiency of the run cycle of product from point A to point
4: B? Yeah, we we always try not to redeploy our product, but it is okay. kind of a nature of the beast when you have a network uh, this large and you're servicing this many customers. But we do recognize that we do have those challenges, and you know, given the fact that we do work with a variety of different carriers. Typically, we're able to respond to those situations very quickly.
0: You know, with the market the way it is now, would you say that it would be maybe in the best interest of an owner-operator, say maybe a one-truck or a five-truck operator, you know, to partner up with a facility like this? I mean, is that, is that one of the keys to success? In other words, finding a niche market sure. to develop and to grow with?
4: Sure. One of the things that we've had a lot of success with is is finding uh, both large cares, small carriers uh, to, to service our different facilities. Because there is no doubt about it, there are carriers out there, there are drivers out there that want to work in a certain region. Mm. And given the size of our network, we can be pretty accommodating. So we recognize the value of a variety of different size carriers in our network. Uh, and in, in our RFPs, we always find you know a small carrier that really does a fantastic job on a particular set of lanes, a particular region, and we want to make them efficient. We want those kind of guys in our network.
0: How do you grow this facility? I know that uh, you've got some adjacent land close by, and uh, I know that rito lay plant is like within a stone's throw or maybe a little bit further than that but I mean looking at the vast size of all of this and the land that you've got Around you, I would see some great situational opportunities for you for you to expand and make this even bigger and better, right?
4: Yeah, I think growth is something that you know we have to kind of take with as our volume grows and as we look at our network uh, in totality, where there are opportunities for us to to streamline and bring different production together. Uh, we have a group and an or- as part of our organization, we're constantly looking for efficiency in our network. We're looking for things that make sense to put together. Uh, we have a group, like I said, that's focused on that.
0: The as far as also I want to. Mention this as well—that there's a rail line that is next to the building uh, for easy product distribution, loading or unloading. I would imagine that's also got to be one of the one of the key areas of success, right there. Having that rail line, having those doors. That are right there. And it was interesting. The point was made that uh, unloading a rail car might present some situational, uh, I guess, issues because you've got to go left or right. You can't go strictly straight in as to as to like you would do with a trailer, for example, on a truck.
4: Yeah, as far as unloading a trailer, yeah, they're they're a little bit different. Okay, uh, we leverage those uh, rail docks a lot when we're bringing in tomato products off of the okay. the West Coast. So, uh, rail is you know we're we're taking advantage of every mode that we can because you know, we're shipping product all over the country. Uh, but rail is a little bit different. It's a little bit different in terms of dunnage and how you unload it, how you load it. Mm-hmm. Uh, damage is different. Um, but where we can leverage it, we definitely do.
0: What do you do as far as like maybe spoilage on products? Is that something that comes under your under your jurisdiction? Do you look at that and, you know, make a determination, okay, this needs to go or we need to do something with it? Yeah, absolutely. We look at, you know,
5: products as they come in. Um, it's a lot easier to either, you know, if something's damaged, to assess the level of the damage to determine basically if it's something that you want to go to, is it something that you want to end up uh, at your customer or on a consumer's table? Mm. Um, Because obviously as you know, you ship those, that is, that's your, that's your company's name, that's your brand, right? So you got to be proud of it. So we check inbounds for um, damages, uh, shifting, uh, anything like that. And then, you know, as, as things do spoil or go past their shelf or ship life, um, we have different methods of, of, Of uh, disposing of them, you know. Obviously, once it's past its shelf life, then you can't do anything with it. But we do partner with food banks and things like that to donate product to, uh,
0: you know, as it's past its shelf life, but not past its shelf. And when you communicate this to, say, the product developer, uh, what kind of feedback do you get from them? Do they say, "Well, let's do this or that," or is is there a certain set of criteria that they want followed, or? Uh, does they, they pretty much dictate
5: the length of the, the ship and shelf life okay, um, got it. as far as, you know, when we can and can't ship things. So. Okay, so again, it's, we have a good quality group that
0: does that. Oh, okay, absolutely. So again, it's all part of the, you know, the warehouse structure. It's more than just simply a building. Correct. There's so many different uh, components and you've got to be excited as to what you're seeing for the future. Am I right?
4: Uh, yeah, right now it's it's challenging given the current market. Okay. Uh, but but as I th- I think about where our company is growing and the things that we're seeing, uh, it is very fun to be part of Conagra right now. We're uh, you know we're launching fantastic products. We're uh, uh, bringing to the to the consumer, you know, new and innovative products. So it's it's very exciting. The challenge for us is we have to be adaptive to that. We have to be able to support that growth and right. the strategies. I've got a break guys uh, and do some more traffic and weather, but I do
0: want to get a website out there, social media, maybe a phone number where they can call if they are in the Indiana area. They yeah, want to absolutely. get into the warehousing sector. How can I be? Yeah, if you're you looking for a job in Frankfurt, Indiana, WriterCareers dot com. Uh, otherwise. Uh, um, you know, we have a ConAgra number as well, 877 ConAgra. Okay. So. Okay, outstanding. If you will send me those links, by the way, I'll put them up on my social media site as well. Perfect. And uh, this will give drivers, you know, an opportunity as to what, you know, to look at it and to review it and uh, see, okay, maybe this is going to be a fit for me, or at least maybe get a better understanding of what goes on, you know, behind the bay doors. And that's why I'm so thrilled to be able to, you know, to come up and uh, do this. Uh, Gentlemen, I got a break for traffic and weather, so hold on for a few minutes. Guys, let me update what's going on with the roadways. Let's do that this minute right here on the Serious XM. Drivers here, we've flown through this, and uh, thank you for being out there. Ladies and gentlemen, wherever you may be listening to me across North America, a reminder that KC Phillips is coming up right around the corner, the afternoon drive and Road Dog Live, live from the great city of Nashville. Uh, so you got to stick around for that. Always a lot of fun, and uh, ladies and gentlemen, what a great adventure for me uh, to be able to come up here. I am in the great state of Indiana, and I wanted to take the news value a step forward further Uh, so when the invite came along to come up and see what the folks said Canagra, Frankfurt, Indiana do. I jumped all over this because it's an opportunity to look behind the bay doors and to see what goes on inside of the warehousing and the distribution centers. And uh, man, what a great experience. And to see what goes on, to see how the product is maintained, how it is inventoried, how uh, the workers do a great job. Safety is at the top of the list here. And guys, they're thinking about you. My guest. This hour, Brian Stouffer and Keith Furman, and I've invited Tim Ashoff back for just a couple of minutes as we get ready to close up. And, Tim, again, thank you, man. Great stuff. And uh, really have enjoyed this. These are the strategic kind of partnerships that I think are so critical for the trucking industry. It's a win-win for both, right?
2: Absolutely, and I think what we were able to see in this last couple of hours is that, you know, we all play an important role in that supply chain. We see one piece of it in that trucking piece of it for us. So even for us to come here to see how one of our customers works and see the challenges and opportunities they have and how that can meet with our challenges and opportunities uh, was really a great firsthand
0: experience. So I thank Conagra and the whole team for allowing us to do this. Yeah, and from your vantage point, you know, like you mentioned, partnering up with great trucking companies, that is so critical to the efficiency of this
4: whole thing. Yeah, it is. And we appreciate you guys coming up here to, uh, to visit Frankfurt. Um, you know, it's these kinds of opportunities that allow us to hopefully showcase uh, a lot of what we've done here, but also to recognize the valuable partnership that we have with Create and, and many other carriers as well. But this is, this is an opportunity you don't get very often, so we really welcomed it. And uh, uh, thinking about, you know, getting that message out there and showing and demonstrating that ConAgra really does want to partner.
0: I think also, too, when you look at it at the end of the day, it boils down to the drivers. I mean, those are the ones that are bringing the product to the facility. They're taking it back out. I had the opportunity to go into the area where the drivers check in and check out. Uh, there's a lot of folks in there that are focused on the driver. They want to talk to the driver, give them what they need. It's that efficiency that makes everybody a success with all this
2: yeah you know for for drivers time is money yep. and so however we can make things more efficient both on our end as a carrier and working with the shippers to take you know every minute out of every day so drivers got 660 minutes every day to That's drive right. right and they get to do
0: that within 14 hours so every minute we can save is a minute a driver can make some more money all right what's on the horizon for conagra more technology bringing more folks in what's on the drawing board for this year
4: Yeah, so as you think about the transportation space, we're really looking for that end-to-end visibility within our network. Uh, We need to continue to drive uh, efficiency, and then also that on-time execution, you know, you look at this year in the weather events, we really have to be able to step up our game and be able to tell our customers where their products are at. We need to be able to tell our internal customers as well as our external customers. And we're very fortunate that we do have a carrier base such as Crete that are willing to, you know, go on this journey with us. Once we get through visibility, I think it's going to be how do we look at this uh, supply chain from end to end and squeeze out inefficiencies both in time as well as in cost. So uh, I think it's just going to be a constant evolution over the next couple of years. Technologies, is going to be a big part of that.
0: I've got to get ready to wrap it up, gentlemen. I do want to get websites out there again where drivers can find you. Check.
2: Yeah, come visit us at creekcarrier.com and visit our Facebook pages. So Eric and I were out this week on our excellent adventure to <laughs> see the drivers <laughs> right. ending it right here at ConAgra, and it's been a great adventure and you can kind of see what we've done out
0: on the road out on our Facebook page. Uh, outstanding, and uh, let's get the website out there again for
4: ConAgre. Uh, Brands.com.
0: All right, very good. And uh, Gentlemen, I want to thank you. What a great two hours. Very much appreciate you inviting me up here to come out and see what's going- on behind the bay doors, and uh, very important for me to do that, to get off my cul-de-sac, very important to go visit folks, uh, so I thank you for that, thank you for allowing me the opportunity to come visit. Alright guys, we're so going to wrap it up, the uh, music means i got to get off the stage, and i got to make room now for the next show, and that means that KC Phillips is coming up right around the corner, guys have a great evening, and I'll see you soon, starting at 2 Eastern, right here, on Sirius XM 146.